the more fixed a weight is, the less stability you have to create because the stability is in the piece of equipment. Then you go to like, okay, my form's on point, but my core is weak. My core isn't strong enough to actually have enough stiffness and stability within the trunk. So within your midsection in order to be secure and safe and stiff during a deadlift. Welcome to another episode of the Q&A on the Taylor Life Podcast with Cody and Travis. That's a great radio voice. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. That was better. That was a good one. So what's going on today, man? Dude, today is Monday, which means we just launched the TLA shirts. Um, and I am excited about many... This I'm about to give the worst sales tactic for you to... like. But I don't care because I want to be transparent. Um, and the reason it's really bad is because I'm gonna I'm about to say we're also gonna come out with a bunch more stuff like very frequently, not to say like hey wait and buy the other stuff, <laughs> because this is a limited batch. So uh, I am excited about it, though because we probably won't be doing this specific one again. Um, and I say that only because we did a special like king and queen thing. Of course we're gonna use the hourglass logo. That's like the main logo for our company, but. Uh, we just released last night the king and queen oversized shirts. Uh, so they're they're nice because they're like relaxed fit. So if you don't like the whole oversized look where they're super baggy, just order true to size. They're mm. not going to be like slim fit, small shirts. Yeah. But um, if you like the oversized, you just order one up. So it's pretty simple for, for a normal relaxed size shirt. I normally wear a large. I pretty much wear a large in every shirt. And so it's not a slim fit. It just fits me normal. It's like a normal shirt. And then I wore XL for like the big baggy oversized, oversized one. Um, for ladies, uh, it's it's typically the same thing. You can you can kind of do the same, but you, it's going to be more of an oversized look still if you order true to size. If you like it really baggy, like I know Shannon went up a size to a medium still because she's usually small because she likes when it's like like basically over her butt. Like <laughs> like she likes Blanket. it baggy and then she kind of like tucks it in on one side. Mm-hmm. So, um, it's yeah, basically like a blanket. <laughs> like she pulled, she's into that though. Like she pulled up yesterday and I'm like, that's my shirt. She was like, no, you gave it to me. I was like, no, you asked me if you could wear it one day. You just said, can I wear this today? I was like, sure. And I've been wondering where the hell that went. Um, but hard to keep track. Yeah. And that was a normal shirt for me. So it's oversized for her. But point being, we just dropped those. So it's a King and Queen edition because the queen has a, uh, it's orchid color. So it's like a really pale pink, like a light yeah. pink. And, uh, which honestly, I don't like wearing colors, but even I would rock that if it didn't have a queen emblem on the back. Mm. Um, but I think it's a cool color. Like it's very pale. So it's not like like fluorescent or really bright in your face, which I wouldn't wear like a hot it's pink. Faint. Yeah. So it looks dope. And then on the back has the black uh, hourglass, but instead of the sand dripping into a king chess piece, it is dripping into a queen chess piece. Because the whole point of the hourglass logo is just, I mean, whether you're a king or a queen or anything, it's, it's really just symbolizing yourself. Like you could put a, a figure there, just like a silhouette. Like the whole point is you have a limited amount of time on earth to create the best version of yourself. Hence the king part is the best version of yourself, which is why it's not a silhouette, I guess. But the sand dripping into the queen chess piece instead of the king for the girls and the guys is a burgundy with a white king hourglass chess piece uh, on the back of the shirt as well. Super big logo on the back and then a small TLRD detail on the front. Um and it's really heavyweight too. It's like thick, heavyweight cotton. Um, I want to say they're like six and a half ounce, uh, which is all relative to the like yards uh, of, of like, it's basically cotton per yard. But point being a six and a half ounce for a t-shirt is pretty damn heavy. Yeah. 
Um, if you go to like, there's, you, we've gotten a shirt that's like eight ounces and it's like, you're wearing a jean shirt. Denim. Yeah, literally. <laughs> so, um, six and a half is like a really good quality, thick heavyweight shirt. So, um, I really think everybody's gonna like it. This is a very limited batch because of the way we printed this one. Um, there's like, to be completely transparent, it's, it's a shirt that is, uh, for better, uh, lack of better terms, it's really expensive to make this shirt because of the type of cotton it is being so thick and the way the design is, there's so many different layers to the design and each shirt technically has a different design. And we wanted the tag printed on the shirt, like long story short to produce this is not easy yeah. compared to a normal, like what you see me do in the office, just like print it on and I'm good. This takes a lot more effort, which is why I didn't personally do it. And this is why it's not like, honestly, we're pricing at a point where we're not profitable. That's not what this is about right now. It's about spreading the word, getting people representing this kind of lifestyle, growth-minded people, so on and so forth. And that's what you do in the beginning of any business anyway. Yeah. Um, so go cop some. They are, like I said, it's very limited batch. We didn't do a whole bunch because of the way these are printed, uh, but they're really cool. And if you have a significant other, Get him or her one too. So you guys yeah. got the king and queen. I think it's like to me, that's what I want to see. I want to see pictures of people like a couple, you know, a married couple, like w maybe with their kid or whatever, or in the gym, something where it's like king, queen on their back just would look so sick dude, to me. Yeah. You know, dark I, red and then a pink. I love the maroon, dude, especially with the king piece. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of like cream, like we just launched the cream yep. uh, sweatsuit, which there's still some sizes in that on the website too for you guys. But there's a lot of cream stuff. Like it's like really popular color and like topes and neutral, like beige, you know, the burgundy goes great with that color. Yeah. So, um, definitely cop that guys. It looks really, really dope. Um, that's on the website and we still have some leftover stock of the, the TLA hoodie. I know it's summertime, but get it while you can. We're, we're discontinuing that logo. So that TLA stuff really is going to be last one. So, yep. but, um, yeah, man, I'm pumped about it. And like I said, we are actually, I just had a meeting Andreas a bit ago and we've been kind of masterminding this whole thing for a while of how we can just print more stuff constantly because the hard part about starting an apparel line is that you have to either essentially bring it in-house which means you have to invest in the right things and then learn how to do it yourself or you have to have really high stock amounts so the the number one reason and this is just from like I've studied this and I've heard people in the industry tell me this that we consulted with. So this isn't me just making it up, but the number one people end up losing money and failing in the apparel business because they have too much inventory. So they have to meet minimums in order to do like some design and they don't sell enough and then they just have a tons of stock left over and they don't make any money. So the hard part about that is if you can basically dial in your resources to where you can get the right types of blanks that you want and then literally print them yourself if you have the right as equipment you as you go, then you can do like more frequent batches and you don't have way left over inventory outside of like blank stuff, yeah. which is what we've been working on. And the hard part about that is you also have to, I mean, you've seen how many samples have came here with random stuff because you have to test fabrics and materials and like the way I want the tag on the shorts and the way I want the drawstrings on the shorts and the way we want the shirt to fit and the thickness and the, the weight. We test so many things until we get exactly what we want. And now we're finally at that place where like, okay, we figured out what we want, how we want it. And now we're able to print on them. And all that while I've been studying, learning and designing stuff myself so that I could actually print stuff myself totally. until orders get too big where I'm like, I can't handle this. Like me and Andreas can't do this alone. Yeah. And then we'll have to have, like have somebody in house. But to me, like that's, 
that's always been the goal anyway, because obviously we can put out more product. So now instead of us going, Hey, we're launching something and two months later, we launch another thing. It went from that to like maybe once a month. And now it's probably going to be like, honestly, at least every couple of weeks, maybe even a shirt a week. Cause now we got stuff dialed in to where like, okay, we're going to be able to like get the right quality material that we want mm-hmm. and have a lot of stock, but it's blank. Yeah. It just is our material, our fitting, our tags, our colors. I'm in charge of printing machines. Yeah. So like for, while we're small, when you're wearing a shirt, like it's, it's going to literally like, or shorts or anything, it's going to literally be printed by me. That's sick. And maybe Andreas. Cause if I need help, if there's too many yeah. coming in, of course, but like to me, that's dope you too. Guys. Cause like you, I mean, you've seen it. Like I, I have thoughts and ideas and then I create a design based on that philosophy, right? Like that's kind of what I wrote in that post of that reel you made. It's like, man, have you posted it? I just posted it a bit ago. Oh yeah. I love that reel. It's so <laughs> sick. Um, and uh, Trav created this. Go check out my Instagram. It's uh, as you're listening, it's not going to be the top post because I post every day. But it's of me uh, basically from start to finish of a concept of like, here's the the idea. And this one was called, uh, I posted a while back, just like a teaser of like the logo of it or the design of it, but not on an actual shirt. And it's uh, fulfilled, but never satisfied. Right. And so that philosophy or mindset actually came about from a conversation I had with my wife about entrepreneurship. And it came about because what seemed like, uh, no, it was frustration. I was gonna say what seemed like frustration to her, but it was frustration on my end, like during the grind, because as you're grinding, like there's parts of the process that are frustrating. But I think a lot of times if you have a good mindset, it's also not really frustrate frustration. It's more or less just it's just working through things and it seems stressful and fast paced. Sometimes it is when you're dealing with stuff that isn't your actual passion, but her and I had a conversation and it was like, when are you going to be satisfied? Like, is there a point where you make enough money? I'm like, well, it's not about the money. Okay. Well, is there a point when you have enough members? No. Is there a point where you help people enough people? No. When you do enough content? No. Have one, two, three is how many businesses? No. Like there's never a point where I'm satisfied in at surface level it sounds so it sounds bad it sounds like damn this dude's never gonna be happy no because that's what but that's how a lot of people defo- well like, yeah but think i think it. i think of on a on a bigger scale like shark tank mm-hmm. like these people just all they do is invest mm-hmm. just to build yeah i mean they love nothing wrong process. with it yeah yeah 100 but i also think that when you see somebody on shark tank they're killing it already you know what i mean but like so if you looked at Mark what's the definition Cuban, of killing it I mean, he's on a TV show. Mark Cuban owns the... What but he wants more. 100%. But listen, like, yep. I don't know what basketball... He owns a basketball team, right? Yep. Not, or is it a college team? Dallas. Maybe? Dallas, okay. Dope. <laughs> um, so he owns a basketball team. He owns multiple companies. He's on Shark Tank. You look at that guy and you, you don't really think like, oh, you're never satisfied. You're like, you're so good at what you do. You just keep going for more and more. That's dope. But if him 40 years ago when he was not rich and he wasn't on TV and he didn't own anything yet and he had that same mentality, people would be like, dude, like, man, isn't that frustrating? You keep like trying and trying and trying. You're not really going very far. It's not there yet, you know? And I have a good amount of stuff now like that's built. But like when I first started having this conversation with Shannon, we weren't here yet, yeah. you know? So it was like, aren't you ever going to be satisfied? I'm like, no. And although that sounds like I'm not happy. Yeah. I'm always fulfilled. And that was what like clicked with her as not an entrepreneur. I was like, he's always fulfilled, but he's never satisfied. He's always hungry. He wants more and more and more, but chasing more and doing more. That's the fulfillment, right? The the part of like, damn, I woke up today, got right to it, got a lot done. I grinded. I stayed positive. I was motivated. I was energetic. 
Like I love that. And if I didn't have something that I was chasing, I wouldn't be that way. Totally. Right. And so the cool thing about TLA and what we want to do with it is that it's like, okay, can we create content and we can create like an environment and share stuff that helps people share that mentality or helps people either a, if you feel unheard or like you're alone and you, you do think that way, but your environment doesn't support that or doesn't think that way. Now you have like a tribe of people that are on the same exact page who totally get it. And we're going to do all the same stuff and we're going to put it out there. So it's well known for you and you can be a part of that. Yeah. Right. And then the other side, it's helping people bring that out of them. If they're like kind of on the fence, but maybe their environment's not allowing them to grow and then they can be in our environment. Now we can bring it out of them. And that's just like what the brand represents without people wearing the shirts, you know, yeah. but then it's like, okay, well, what are the, the philosophies, the, the one liners, the quotes, the concepts the thought processes of that? How can I put that into shirts? And that's how the hourglass thing came up. You know, it's like, okay, the concept. Like, the concept is literally you have one life to live. What are you going to do with it? The clock is ticking. Hopefully tailor it. Hopefully tailor it your way, your life, your design, right? So it's hourglass is a, it's a ticking clock. Your life is a ticking clock day by day. How great will you make yourself? What is, what will you achieve? Who will you become in this predefined period of time of your life? Yep. Be a king, be a queen, be the highest version of yourself, Right. Um, highest isn't successful as well. Like don't slow yourself down too much, <laughs> but, um, that was a wee joke. And, uh, but the concept of the shirt that's in the real is very similar, right? This whole idea of the fulfilled, but never satisfied taking that and going, okay, what can we do with this? Find a good font. Really? That's how simple it is. This, it, the, the creating of it, I think is a simple part because all I did is like, I'm going to find a, a really cool font, kind of like an old English E, but not too crazy. Cause sometimes you can't read that font, make it super big on the back. So when you wear that, it's like, I'm representing this lifestyle. I'm representing this attitude of hustlers mentality of always trying to chase more and be better. And then we're going to put the little hourglass underneath it. Cause that's just the, the stamp, you know, but it's like this huge logo. So you can't be not seen like every time you walk in a room or you walk by like you can't not see that big bright white letters smashed on your back across the whole shirt right but it's the the journey of what i've gone through to chase success that brought about that concept right and i think that's what in my mind like as we get deeper into the weeds with tla and i'm like man what's going to make this brand powerful it's that it's not that like we're going to you know, we're not, uh, what's his name? Jerry Alonzo, the owner of fear of God. He's like a, he, he's a fashionista. So he's like the guy who creates new trends, mm. you know? So that's not us. I'm not going to come out here and invent a new way to wear drawstrings on your jacket. That is like revolutionary. I'll leave that to Jerry. You know, he lives in Los Angeles or New York or something like that. And he's on the run. He does that stuff, which by the way, if you follow his content or fear of God, they're on some weird shit now. I love like essentials. Like I got their sweats. I think they're overpriced. I bought them honestly. And once I started like making my own clothes, I was like, Oh yeah, these are overpriced for sure. But he is the first one to do a lot of things. But now do like, <laughs> you look at the Instagram and you're like, these guys are just bums. They just look like it's weird. Yeah. They wear like interesting. Yeah. It, it's so, it's so weird. And not like what I sent you on Instagram the other day. That's very weird too. Yeah. Sometimes fashion is just weird. But that's not us. Like to me, I'm like, okay, like what we do is, is we, we could create a culture of people who have that mentality, want more out of life, want to keep chasing more and more and more, but maybe they don't feel heard. They don't feel like they have others around them that support that. They don't have the right content to follow books, to read people, to listen to shit, clothing to wear, to represent what they're after. 
we can be that because me and Andreas have lived that our whole lives, you yeah. know, and that fires me up. That excites me. And it's like, if we can print it's that, all about, man. if we can print that on clothing, it's going to be so cool. Let's go. So point of that rant um, was that a go buy a shirt. Yeah. It's more than just a shirt. There's a lot to it. And like I said, we were pricing it as low as possible to make sure we don't, you know, we're not profiting a bunch right now. We're just trying to build this momentum. We want more people in the world who are hard. I said this to somebody. Uh, I sent a loom video to, to one of the um, members the other day. And uh, she had a milestone. So I was just kind of sending her one just to congratulate her. And I was like, and it was probably cool because I obviously I haven't talked to her in a long time directly because mm -hmm. she's been working with us for a long time. She works with one of the coaches. But I sent her a loom video and I was like, I just have to commend you for you're you're just such a hard worker. Like, you're doing a lot and you're still accomplishing your goals. You're not making excuses. Like she has a lot going on and she's still crushing it. And I'm like, the world needs more people like you who is working hard to get more out of life and to, to get more out of yourself because you can, because you believe in yourself because you just want, like, why not? Yeah. Right. And it's like, I don't know to me, I, I want more and more people. And that's why me and Andre the same way. We want more and more people in the world like that. So we're doing whatever we can to get out more shirts with more designs for, uh, like an affordable price right now to where same we're not message. the same message. That's all we care about is get this message everywhere. Right. So go get a shirt so you can wear that hourglass on your back. Um, if you have a spouse, wear it with your spouse. So you guys are queen and queen. It is like, it's such a cool thing to be rocking next to your spouse. Um, and then just be on the lookout. Like I said, we're going to be dropping stuff more frequently and I could not be more excited. I have some stuff on the way, some different designs. We're going to do some peaches and cream shorts soon. We're going to be doing these like oversized logo shorts soon. Um, I got countless shirt designs that are going to be coming out um, all again to represent this, this motto, this life that we're talking about. So go show support, follow at tailored life apparel on Instagram, and then head over to tailoredlifeapparel.co.co, not.com and uh, go cop a shirt for you and your significant other. There we go. Now, after my 17 minute intro, 18 minute, let's, uh, let's do the, the question thing, the Q and a thing. Cool. Why we're here. All right. We will start with the first question. It says, what are some resources besides physical therapy are out there that you know of that can strengthen my skill set as a trainer for the advanced age population? Ooh. Man, this is actually a question that's going to stump me a little bit because to be honest with you, I don't, I don't, I don't work with that population anymore. Um, and I shouldn't say anymore. Like our company still brings on people. Did they say age range or did they say advanced? Okay. See, that's the other thing. What does that mean? Yeah. Does that just mean like when you're halfway done with life? Cause that's not really, you don't have to do much crazy. That's very specific. You 40 know, plus 50 plus 60. I mean, I've worked with, uh, like 50, 60, 65 year olds who all say, oh, I'm getting old and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, but you're pretty healthy. Like you've been training for a while. Like we don't have to do anything crazy. Yeah. We're just not going to go do a max deadlift because you don't care about that. And that's probably going to hurt you or anybody else, regardless of your age. If you don't, if like you just position your hips, just like barely wrong, yeah. you can hurt your back really bad. So it's like, what's the point? But, um, if we're talking, 70 80 90 that's that's completely different yeah. you know um and if that's your pop so and this is what i would say so i'm going to say just two quick things on this and then we can move on because this is an easy one number one if that is your population like 80 90 like if you're working with like truly elderly people right then what i would say is that you 
should already know the answer to this. Like I highly doubt, like if you're working with those people right now, you shouldn't be asking me that on a podcast. You should know yeah. how to, or else you shouldn't be working with those people yet because you haven't figured it out yet, which I don't think is the case. You're probably not doing that. So assuming that's not you, what I would say is most of the time as people age, there's just some very simple, basic things that we have to know, you know, on the nutrition side of things, there might be some uh, slowing of the metabolism, but it's probably not because of age. It's probably because of indirect factors that happen as you age, like as you age, you have higher stress levels. You're more susceptible to lower testosterone and thyroid levels because of that. You're more susceptible to just lower activity levels because you have responsibilities and you drive a car and you go to work and sit at a desk, like that stuff. Um, you probably need more protein because muscle protein synthesis rates typically drop as we age after the age of 30. So as soon as you hit 30, you're going to start. I mean, so even for me, I'm 30 right now, be 31 in a month. My protein synthesis is going to slowly start dropping at such a marginal rate that it is not something that you need to recalculate your protein every year. Yeah. But like, okay, 35. Now it's like, maybe I add, you know, 0.05. So it's not 1.2 anymore. It's 1.25 grams per pound, Mm. you know, or whatever it may be. If it's, 0.8 0.8 grams now it's 0.85 and then at 40 it's 0.9 and then it's 0.95 you know what I mean you go slow but that does happen uh and then on the training side it's just choose exercises that are more designed to them this is what we do inside our coaching so well that I don't see a lot of people do is we do different measurements different assessment protocols um much better than most online trainers or companies in fact most of what we do, I've never seen any other company do. I've learned it from somebody, uh, multiple people who probably online coach, but they're more like strength coaches that I learned it from, but they don't have online coaching companies per se. And I'm shocked that other people don't do this stuff because it literally, like we have formulas and ways of assessing our clients that allow us to pick the perfect exercises for them based on their limb lengths, their posture, their height, their, uh, their wingspan. Um, if they are, posterior anterior dominant and we have ways of figuring that out for sure and so we can choose exercises that don't place stress on the joints so we do that for everybody but it's even more important as you age and it's also more important to use probably less like heavy barbell free weight stuff so don't go back squat go use the leg press go use a smith machine like it's okay it's not don't use a straight bar use a trap bar like there's simple things that you can do that make it pretty easy don't use a barbell bench maybe use a chest press machine or dumbbells you can still use a barbell as you age but somebody's 60 years old and they've been training for 20 plus years they've had sports they've lived their life with kids and traveled and done tons of stuff there's just more wear and tear on that body compared to somebody who is 30 and is training for the same goal of building muscle or losing fat if they don't care about the utility they're using i'm not going to use a barbell bench press unless it's a specialty bar like a cambered bar or a neutral bar or something like that which most people don't have so Utilize these these uh, different tools and equipments in the gym so that you can just better equip your clients to not place stress on the joints. That's really it. And you sh- probably should never train below the, this is a very blanket statement, so some people will quote it and probably get mad, but don't train below the eight rep range. Maybe go down to six, but like at a certain point you go, okay, if you don't want to build maximal strength or place maximal loads on your joints, If you just plan on staying at eight reps and up, you're never going to lift too heavy to bang up your joints. You're going to be able to have more time to figure out your RAR. So if you're training to eight, 10, 12 reps, that's enough reps to where you can slowly figure out like, okay, how close am I to failure? You know, whereas if you're doing a two to three rep max, you got two to three reps to figure it out. And it might be too late (laughs) because you might get to rep two and throw out your back. So choosing the right exercises, focusing on control, using more machines, like that kind of stuff is really what matters most versus like exact training programs or anything like that totally so 
That's good. All right, we will move on to the next question. It says, is there any truth to a specific type of workout for your hormone metabolic type? No. That's, uh, no. I'm pretty sure, you know what, like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out on a limb and say, even if it wasn't him that I saw do this, I'm pretty sure he probably did too. Yeah. Pretty sure Lane Norton blasted this myth. Mm. I mean, he's pretty on top of... Blasting myths. Yeah, creating like content online that just shits on people when they make up stupid stuff. Um, yeah, there's really nothing. I mean, there's even like... So there's a lot of people that believe in... Uh, like the closest thing I would say to potential potentially being true would be the idea that you should change your training uh, regimen around your menstrual cycle. And there's a lot of women who promote that, uh, but there's no research that actually shows any advantage to that. So there's there's very limited research that even hints at the idea of it being potentially beneficial. But for the most part, uh, there's nothing. I mean, they show that there's really no strength increases. There's no benefit to changing your training based on your menstrual cycle. Um, and the different phases of your menstrual cycle, there is a... Um, there's a phase of it. I don't remember if it's a luteal phase or whatever it is, but there is a phase that essentially you can actually potentially lift more, believe it or not. So your performance goes up because of your hormone balances. Um, but the rest of it is shown. There's just no, not a significant difference. Um, now there's a, a, a very big mental component to that. Mm-hmm. What I mean by that is psychologically, it can be harder for people to perform women to perform hard workouts when in certain periods of period so for certain phases of their menstrual cycle um and that's not just to say like i don't want women to listen and be like yeah yeah so it's stressful i know it is and i know it's not easy but for some women it's worse than others everybody knows the person that has really bad periods and everybody knows the person that doesn't really have bad periods um and i think it's probably less of the fact that there's a direct correlation to a bad period so whatever the the symptoms causing that bad period are that being something that literally drops performance and more so that those symptoms make them stressed, uncomfortable, annoyed, hungry, like not want to train because they're all of the above, bloated, all these things. Now, you can't pinpoint this hormonal response literally lower strength levels. And that's what people try to say is like you shouldn't be doing strength because your strength lower. No. She's uncomfortable and annoyed. So yeah, it's hard to train. She probably doesn't even want to work out, like rightfully so. It's but it's very much so more psychological, like indirectly. Yeah. And there's actually research to support that. So I'm not just like making stuff up. Um, as far as workouts specifically for hormones or like, she said hormone issues or uh, what did hor- they say? Yeah, just a hormone metabolic type. No. Um, and there's really only like, you. there's like some stuff that people said there was some kind of like metabolic typing. But I think for the most part, that's actually pretty false too. Mm. I don't think there's any good research to support that. If anybody has any actual evidence and studies proving that, I'd love them to send them my way. But I'm pretty sure that all we can really pinpoint as far as like metabolic types is is they're called phenotypes. And it's basically just, uh, we've talked about it where it's like spendthrift or it's uh, it's a thrifty or spendthrift metabolism. So basically yeah. it's like the person who uh, says they look at a cupcake and gain weight versus the person who can eat 12 cupcakes and barely gains any weight at yeah. all. You know, like it's fast or slow, hard gainer or... Hard to lose, but um, yeah, I think that sounds like it's probably something that's uh, guruism and no, just good marketing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, good marketing. Cool. All right, we will move on to the next one. It says, "Can you please recommend a good protein powder that does not contain whey?" 
Um, first form vegan protein powder is probably the best bet. I mean, at the end of the day, if you're consuming a protein powder that doesn't have whey, you're looking at vegan or casein. You can go the weird routes of like, they make like beef protein isolate, egg protein isolate and stuff. I just find it weird. Yeah. Like sometimes you go like, that can't be like legit. Like how do they do that? But then you got to think, well, how do they do it with whey? How do they do it with casein? Same way. It's got to be the same way. Yeah. I don't know the actual manufacturing. Hey, that's good. <laughs> same way. Um, I don't know the actual manufacturing process of what it looks like to take whey protein out of the food. But I got to imagine if they can do it with cheese and milk and yogurts and whatever, you know, consumes for whey and casein, why can't they do it with eggs or beef? But I'm probably going to go with vegan just because I think that's might be what you're looking for. Yeah. Um, head over to firstform.com slash tailored coaching method. They'll have your options for you. Amen. All right. We got another one that says, what is the difference in hypertrophy between the dumbbell overhead press versus barbell? If the difference is stability, is is there more benefit in using dumbbells in most press movements? Uh, depends what your goal is. I think, so you can go back and forth on this one. So the benefit, so in one benefit, like it goes, okay, well, what is your goal? If your goal is strength, I would say that the, oh, the barbell is going to be better because the barbell is a fixed bar, which requires less stability because there's less instability, you know? So if we go from like, I would say kettlebells first, then dumbbell, then barbell, and then a like a Smith machine, and then like a loaded plate machine or something. Those might be tied. But basically, the more fixed a weight is, the less stability you have to create because the stability is in the piece of equipment. So with a dumbbell, you're holding it and your arm is free floating, right? Your shoulder has to stabilize while you press that versus a barbell. It's a fixed bar. It's right across. Like the weight is, you know, on each side, it's across. You can just grab the bar and you can just press your weight through it. It's just, they're connected. So it goes from unilateral to bilateral. It's as simple as that. Just the same reason, like a, a split squat is going to be harder than a regular squat typically because you can balance on two legs or basically one leg, you know, you, you are split stance. You have two legs, but the center of gravity is different, you know? So if your goal is strength, I'd probably say barbell because the barbell is going to be, allow you to, I mean, one, you have to worry less about stability Two, you also have the fact that because it's a fixed bar, you can load more weight. So anybody who has strong shoulders and overhead pressing abilities, you're going to be able to lift more weight on a barbell overhead press than a dumbbell overpress. Plain and simple. If you can barbell press overhead 200 pounds, I would, I'd be very like surprised and, um, impressed if you did a overhead press with a hundred pound dumbbells in both hands standing up, you know, and then you add the standing up factor too. If you're standing up, you also have to create stability, yeah. which makes a dumbbell press standing up so much harder too. Opposed to a bench on your back. Yeah, exactly. And so if you want to take either of those exercises and give yourself more stability, you would sit down and do a military press instead of a standing overhead press. So, but if you're, if your goal is strength, barbell is probably going to trump dumbbells and the dumbbells become like an accessory exercise so that you can still build a little bit of stability and you can build some single arm strength. Cause maybe you have one side that's weaker than the other. So you do both in a week, but your main amount, the, the strength is going to come from the barbell overpress more than the dumbbell. Um, now if your goal is hypertrophy, now we have more to look at because if your goal is building muscle, we can go, okay, well, if you press the barbell, it's going to be more, um, overall load, which if you do more reps with more load, that's more volume. That's going to build more muscle because volume is the key driver. 
Um, I also am a big fan of trying to limit as much required stability in an exercise as possible if you're trying to build muscle because the more you have to balance and worry about creating stability, the less you can overload and isolate a muscle. Yeah. So if you're doing a standing overhead press, I would probably be like, hey, you should probably just sit down because if you're sitting down, I don't have to stabilize. I can just focus on pressing and isolating and I'm less likely to compensate. So if I'm standing up, it's easy for me to press and then kind of lean back and I can lean back and get it up all the way, right? The the bar over my head further. I can even like get on my toes. I can kind of duck my head because your body's going to compensate. When you sit down, it's much harder to do that because you can't really move much. You're sitting, press overhead. Um, the benefit of a dumbbell might be range of motion. So if you're, if you're looking at hypertrophy from the lens of like, well, you need to go through a full range of motion. Now I go, okay, well, if I lower the barbell, I'm going to get to a certain point where I literally can't go any further because it's fixed. And if I had really good flexibility, maybe I could get lower, but my collarbone's going to hit it. With dumbbells, I can go wider and I can go lower because I can let, I can go until the dumbbell hits the side of my shoulder versus the barbell hitting the front of my chest. And if I lack mobility, the non-fixed position actually helps because I can just get my arms in a comfortable position wherever they go versus I have to go where the barbell has to go because the barbell's fixed. So there's that benefit, but at the same time, you can't lift as much weight because it's not a fixed barbell. So again, which one's better? I would probably say whatever allows you to overload the muscle most, and it's going to be different person to person. Um, to add to that, I think the best hypertrophy-based overhead press is going to be a Smith machine or, or like a plate-loaded hammer strength machine because you're, you're seated and it's fixed and it can be kind of unilateral if you do the hammer strength. And if you're doing the, the Smith machine, you don't have to worry about anything at all. Just push. I think the more often you can simplify an exercise, the more likely it is to be beneficial for muscle growth because now all I have to do is push. I just have to load it and push it and keep going with a full range of motion until I can't go anymore. And when you do that, you're going to build more muscle versus trying to stand up with a barbell pressing overhead with good mobility and stability. Like too many things. It's too many things. Yeah. And if you make that a single arm dumbbell press, it's even worse because now I'm standing, balancing, working on mobility. I got to be stable in my core. I got to make sure this lines up well because I don't have the bar that's fixed to kind of guide me from hand to hand. It's just not going to be as good. Yeah. Um, Last thing I'll say is if your goal is stability, then of course, if your goal is stability, I would do like a Z press, sit on the floor with your legs straight out and use a kettlebell and press overhead. That is not going to be the best for strength. It's not going to be the best for uh, muscle growth, but you have to be pretty flexible to sit on the floor with your legs locked out in a tall position. You have to have great thoracic extension and mobility in order to press overhead without caving in your shoulders or leaning back too far. And for a kettlebell, you kind of have to go in that J shape where it comes like around to the side and then overhead locking out elbow by ear and then come back down. Totally. A lot of control. So I think most people that listen to this podcast want to move well and probably have like, yeah, I want to be like a mobile and stable person, but they don't go like, I'm going to start lifting weights so I can be really stable, you know, because I, I just, I don't find that applicable to most people's goals unless there's a very specific situation. Yeah. For example, your knee. Yeah. If you're recovering from a knee injury, it's not like I want to be the most stable person. It's like, I want to have knee stability so I don't tear my meniscus skin. Yeah. That's it. It's like, okay, cool. Let's create stability. And then after that, it's like, just maintain your stability. You're probably not going to like become Ben Patrick, you know, and be like, my knees go further that's than your goal. toes. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't know if that's the right way to say it, but, and he's dope. I like his stuff, but you know what I mean? Yeah. All right, cool. We will move on. We got an interesting one here. It says, what are your thoughts on peak cocktails or products like them? What? Do you know what that is? 
Like peacock tails? No. I think it's P-E-A-K. P-E-A-K. Cocktails, yeah. Peak. Alcohol. Cocktails. Free cocktails for peak performance. Oh, it's like peacock tails. Remember when people were eating like, uh, or taking like antler, like, uh, yeah, it was like deep, like elk no. antler or antelope ant- antlers or something like that. Nope. They were like trying to claim that, uh, was it Michael Vick? Whoa. Or maybe it was Adrian Peterson from the Vikings. I know a couple of people, <laughs> but it was like way back in the day, there was like a thing where it was like, they were, just, I don't know, taking this and that's what they're like. It was bullshit. Whoa. It wasn't like a thing, but like. Never heard that. Yeah. Very weird. Um. I've never heard of that. Oh. That I've heard of. I, I would call that mocktails. Well, yeah. Yeah. I, but this is literally, the brand is called Peak Cut. Oh. Yeah. And it's just non-alcoholic? I guess so. So here's my thing. There's uh, there's a couple beers, too, like Athletic Brewery, Brewery and stuff. It's literally called that. And yeah. it's, um, look, like, I, I, I don't want to shit on it because I know people who drink it. And they're like, yeah, this is good. Like, I like it. I think that's cool if you like, and I don't mean like cool, like sarcastically, like I legitimately, like I have multiple people, family, friends, people in my life who are sober and I don't think either of them drink that, but like I've, uh, I've had, I've had like CJ's had O'Doyle's or O'Doyle's or whatever yeah. while we're chilling and stuff like before. Totally understand. Like if you're sober and you made a commitment to not drink anymore, but you drank a lot in the past and genuinely enjoy that flavor mm-hmm. and that's not going to trigger you to want beer or anything which would be my guess that's what it would do for me then cool like i think that's dope i don't think alcohol tastes good enough for me to want to actually drink a non-alcoholic drink i, I i'm looking at it i don't even understand why it's a cocktail it has cherry ashwagandha elf oh this is theanine, totally different dude lemon balm we're going Zinc. completely left field. Yeah. But this, the, the brand is Peak Cocktails. Yeah. So this is, uh, this sounds like it's like a, either like a nootropic or something like, this is like a, this is like a, a greens drink, but yes. not greens. It's something like that. So when you said cocktails, I'm thinking like, I drink, yeah, they probably just call it a cocktail, you know, like, yeah. Um, I, I can't think of any other examples that do that, but like. Obviously, I thought alcohol when I think cocktail, and it's probably just the way they brand it is like yeah. it's a, it's a because if you think about what a cocktail actually is by definition, usually it is alcoholic, but there it's it's a beverage, it's Correct. a concoction, yes. it's a beverage they're making. So obviously, this has a lot of different ingredients that they're making, and that makes sense. Um, the cocktail threw me off because I'm like, I'm if I'm drinking, there's alcohol on it. Otherwise, I'm not wasting my calories yeah, on it. That's where it mo- the mocktail. That's what would be more. But they branded this as cocktail. Yeah, uh, it's cool branding. I've never even heard of it. Yeah, um, either. What's in it? Uh, I just had it. Um, I heard ashwagandha. Tart cherry, mm-hmm. ashwagandha, uh, L-theanine, theanine, I can't pronounce that. Uh, cu- cucumin. Curcumin. Curcumin. <laughs> uh, lemon balm and zinc. Yeah, it sounds... And, and it, piper... Piperine, black pepper extract. Yeah. Um, curcumin doesn't get absorbed in the body without black pepper extract, which is uh, pepperin or piperin or whatever. Um, so the uh, it just sounds like a vitamin drink to me. Yeah, it does. It sounds great. Like, it sounds cool. I mean, to me, that's like one of those. Uh, I mean, ashwagandha is like a calming agent, helps lower cortisol and stress levels. 
Maybe that's why it's called a cocktail. Maybe it's like a nightcap thing because zinc is typically helpful for hormones and, and sleep and stuff like that when you're deficient in it. Um, L-theanine is a nootropic in some ways, but it also calms the mind down. Curcumin is like an anti-inflammatory. So I'm assuming it's like more of like an evening drink that you, is that right? Yep. Made with ingredients that work for you. Recovery, calm, sleep, social. Yep. So if you're uh, the one person at dinner who doesn't want to have an alcoholic drink, but you're trying to wind down and recover for your next training that's session. That's exactly what this is. Yeah. yeah, that's perfect. I think oh. it's dope. Sounds cool. All right. Uh, next one. It says, what are some ways to protect your back while deadlifting? That's a very hard question to answer because it depends on why your back is vulnerable in the first place. So in one sense, I go, hey, let me see you deadlift. Okay, here's the issue. Your form's off. Or you should be using a wider stance because you're not a narrow stance person. Do a sumo deadlift. Or um, you're rounding your back. Or too much hips, not enough like knees, like no flexion knees or vice versa. Um you know, it could be a, a multitude of things just with your form in general. Then you go to like, okay, my form's on point, but my core is weak. So my core isn't strong enough to actually have enough stiffness and stability within the trunk. So within your midsection in order to be secure and safe and stiff during a deadlift. So you might be hurting your back because you just don't have any core strength. You might be hurting your back because you have no lower back strength. Sometimes people have weak spinal erectors. A lot of people do. So it's not really like your cores and your abs, but it's actually your spinal erector. So the actual muscles around your lumbar spine, your lower back that are causing the deadlift issues because it can't support you doing the deadlift. Maybe it's because you have weak lats and your lats can't stay packed while you're deadlifting. So your arms don't stay in a good position. Um, maybe it's because you're so prone to like rowing the bar up. Like you start to deadlift and you start trying to like muscle it up. So you shrug and you bend your elbows and now you're in a funny position in center of gravity shifts. You roll forward on your back. Opposed to not using your legs. Exactly. Um, it, it could be so many different things, you know. So for somebody to say, like, what is the issue? It depends. If you've had low back issues in the past, usually people are either, if, if they have low back issues, they're either, again, it could be because your form's off and you just pulled it. Doing It's like people usually hurt their backs, like, doing, like, yard work or picking up a heavy case of water bottles at the store or something random. Because they bend over in a weird position and their form is off because nobody hip hinges perfectly like a deadlift when they're picking up a case of water bottles at Safeway. You know, that's just not how it works. Um, Be interesting to see. Yeah. <laughs> but to that extent, this is why your core and your low back should be strong because then when you do pick that up in a weird position, it doesn't give out, you know? Yeah. So it could be your form, but it also could be weak core. Um, usually it's not actually a mobility issue, to be honest with you. Um, you don't need to be that mobile to do a deadlift. Um but it could be, I guess, there could be something that's more likely to happen if you're squatting. Because there's more movement in that movement. Um, but it could be, like I said, it could be your lats. You don't stay packed, so maybe your lats aren't engaged while you're deadlifting. Um, your grip is shot, so like you're trying to deadlift and your grip is so weak that it can't hold the bar and you start slipping. And again, usually when stuff like that happens, your shoulders round over and then you round your back. And that's how you hurt yourself. Um, but it could just be you have a weak core. Yeah. Weak, weak lower back. Um yeah, so form could be uh, a weak point in your core, your lower back. Um, could maybe be mobility. Could be bad engagement of your lats. Um, could be bad grip strength. But usually, like, you have to watch somebody deadlift. I have to see somebody deadlift and go, here's why, you know. Um, again, a lot of times it's one of those things. The only other thing I would say with low back pain is usually somebody is um, rotation intolerant. So you hurt your back rotating. If that's the case, you need to work on anti and regular rotation. So 
being able to move your spine in a way that allows you to rotate your back, your spine and your hip, um, or, uh, anti-rotation. So you have strength basically resisting rotation. Um, cause sometimes it's the inability to resist rotation that's placed upon you, car accident, tripping and falling, something like that. And that twisting motion that you can't resist is what hurts your back could be flexion intolerance. So it's something like bending over to grab something and you round your back and your back has no strength when in a rounded position, which you're not in your strongest position when your back's rounding. That's why everybody always says, keep your back flat when you deadlift. However, you should be able to round your spine and your back without hurting yourself. Yeah. Um, and then the last one is extension intolerance. So if you hyperextend backwards and you hurt your back, you're probably extension intolerant. And that's where you'd want to work on posterior chain, hyperextensions, more like posterior movements in general, um, and or just your lower back as a whole, you know? Yeah. So totally. That's the best I can give you. All right. That was the last question for today. Go to the site. That's the only thing. TLA. <laughs> TaylorLifeApparel.co. Uh, two shirts, queen, king and queen. And um, yeah, of course, leave a five-star rating review. But the big thing, guys, brand new shirt. Go check it out. TaylorLifeApparel.co. Go follow Taylor Life Apparel. Go follow Tailored Coaching Method. All on Instagram. Uh, we want to uh, you to be in our community. We want you to be in our environment. We want to share the love, share the the content that we are producing, and we want you to be a part of this movement of creating more of yourself. So again, head over to TaylorLifeApparel.co and grab the new shirts. Otherwise, I will catch you guys next time. Bye.